like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me as always, Corey Starr. Oh. Hello, hello. Sorry, my meme I wasn't working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no worries, no worries. I almost, I almost said the wrong podcast, so it always, yeah, it's that kind oh, of a no. night. Um, I, I have, I'm running on little sleep, and it is getting late, so uh, we're, we're recording a day early, folks, because... Um, I teach high school and our graduation uh, is the, the night we normally record, um, which I remembered at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> yesterday uh, to reschedule. Um, I couldn't sleep. I, I'd slept for like two hours, but I woke up and I could not fall back asleep. Um, and I was just like trying to fall back asleep and it clicked. I'm like, you know what? I don't think I can record Friday because I don't know when I'll get home from graduation. I, um, so we are recording. Oh, I hate that because I do that too. I'll wake up in the middle of the night and then I just think of something stupid <laughs> and well, it's not necessarily stupid, but it's not worth le- losing sleep over. Yeah. And that wasn't the reason I couldn't sleep, but it was weird that like I hadn't thought about it once until like I was in the middle of like this sleep de- deprivation <laughs> and my brain's like, Hey, how are you going to record if you're supposed to be at graduation? <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second. Graduation. <laughs> yes. Uh, that won't be noisy at all. Um, I mean, usually I'm home before our normal record time, but graduation takes a lot out of me. Plus, it's hot and we're oh, out there for like four hours. Gosh. So it's just I'm usually like ready to lay down and crash afterwards. And then Saturday mornings, I run with my my uh, editor from Book Reviews, Dave, and longtime friend. Um, we usually try to run before it gets too hot. So like 7, 7.38 is like our goal time. So if I can get to sleep at a reasonable hour Friday, I prefer it. But um, we do have a three day weekend coming up because of uh, Memorial Day. And so that's exciting. And then we only have three days left of normal school before summer break. So like I'm, I'm, you know, gearing down, but it's still like I am currently exhausted. Uh, I know I'm gonna have tons to do this weekend because students are turning in late work and stuff like that. So anyways, folks, we're not here to talk about that just yet. We are usually start with the movie talk and uh, we're here to finish um, the movie, the music documentary month of May uh, 2021 with Kurt Cobain montage of heck. Um, I, I picked this one. I'm a longtime Nirvana fan and this is a documentary I've been meaning to get to. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to talk about it here in a little bit, but before we do that, we like to catch up with what's been going on and see what else we've been watching since the last time we recorded. Uh, we've already kind of caught up with me. So Corey, what's been going on with you? I haven't felt all this week. It's fine. My body does this every time it's an important date. Like, my birthday is a popular one. Um, <laughs> or, like, a holiday. My body's like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I just don't feel good. So, that's what I've been doing you for a couple days. I had to go... Any issues? What? It's gone offline for you, like, twice? Like, where, like, I hear par- part of what you're saying? Yeah, it, it's Okay. Uh, hopefully listeners i'm not sure it looks like it might be recording on her end and i'm just not hearing it so apologies for interrupting you um i did catch that you're not feeling well uh, and you said that's usually around holidays and your birthday. yeah uh and then uh yeah i had to go into the office a couple days this week so i've been super busy but i have watched a few things oh well hold on we'll get to that momentarily um yeah i uh aside from like work stuff um yeah, no, that's, like I guess it. Uh, I am planning a new workout regiment um, over the summer. I'm going to start going to the gym a couple extra days. Uh, I usually go to the gym three days a week and run three days. Well, run, walk three days a week. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to be switching to five days a week at the gym and one, one full run day. But then I'm going to try to like run a little during the week because I'm on summer break and I'm like, I'm going to really try to push my exercise regimen over this little uh, window of time. Um, so yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's my current strategy for the summer and, um, making use of, you know, the gym being available in 24 hours. Plus we get, uh, these perks with the gym that I haven't taken advantage of. Like one, two of them is like a tanning thing. And then there's something that's 
like tanning, but it's supposed to be like regenerative. I don't know. I It sounds like nonsense to me, but maybe it's good. I don't know. I haven't done any of that, but they have like hydro massages and massage chairs. And I'm like, I, I might, I might have to indulge a little bit in summer. I'm vaccinated now, you know, maybe just, you know, uh, try this hydro massage. I hear it's pretty uh, enjoyable. Sounds nice. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I don't know. I, I it's not a person. That's I. I love the idea of a massage, but I don't love the idea of asking someone to to like touch, touch my hairy back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, no, no. I mean, it's true. That's what, legitimately why I have never had a massage. It's just the way you <laughs> said it, and I just wasn't expecting it. I was just you don't listeners. Let me tell you about my friend John. How long have we been friends? Or even acquaintances. Oh, a long time, yeah. And you... Yeah, at least 17 years. It's like years. pulling teeth even to get a hug from you. So, yeah. I love hugs. I love hugs. And don't, like, give me those one-arm, you know, pat-on-the-back junky hugs. I don't like that. Do it like you mean it. But, like, I was waiting for you to say, like, someone just touching me in general. I don't know. I just wasn't <laughs> expecting that. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, that's um, I that's not untrue, listener. I am uh, not a, not a big fan of uh, physical contact, um, especially now after COVID. I'm kind of like, oh yeah, we can stay six feet apart. That's fine. <laughs> like y'all um, weren't washing your hands your whole lives. <laughs> yeah, I I have gotten way better at when I wash my hands. Though, like I am like especially hand sanitizer. I always have hand sanitizer on me now, mm-hmm. and am constantly uh, aware of that. Something I did not used to be aware of. Um, also, yeah, the frequency in which I touch my face oh, uh, has become abundantly aware, um, and it's a lot. Like it's so, so much. Uh, I have like a nervous tick where I like rub my nose. Like it's it's a thing. But um, partly, I blame movies for that too, because a lot of my favorite like movie characters have like weird ticks where they like like Bruce Lee he has a whole little nose rub he does, mm. and I totally have I like mimicked that as a kid, and so it's just like a habit I do now um interesting so yeah uh all these movies there are detriments uh to our behavior um i used to think it just made me look cool now i'm like crap i'm like rubbing germs on my face so um that's yeah that's it i'm sure there's probably more stuff but i'm tired so let's get into what we've been watching Corey. you said you've seen a lot so what what have you been watching so not necessarily movies i've only watched the movie for this week and then one other movie um but why didn't anyone tell me that they have Forensic Files 2 on HBO Max? So I was laid up on the couch all day yesterday. Like, my body aches from just, like, laying, you know? Um, but I watched, through, like, a few days, I watched all the episodes. There are only 18. There's only one season. I don't know when it came out, and they have a new narrator, which, if y'all have ever watched Forensic Files, they had the best narrator in the world. He's still okay. But he's not the, you know, um, the original. I did finish watching the movie that I briefly mentioned to you. I was 30 minutes in. It's like a two-hour movie. I was like, might as well finish it. Uh, the Reckoning on uh, Shudder. I think it's a Shudder original, but don't quote me on that. It's okay. Um, I think the most horrifying thing about it is we all know about the witch trials and, you know, all the women that were killed you know, over all kinds of things, but I didn't realize that it's estimated that's like 500,000 women in the, the, in America, in the United States and in, uh, you know, Britain. So I didn't realize it was on such a wide scale. Um, and then I'm watching season four of the handmaid's tale. Elizabeth Moss always plays badass women. She's she awesome. is. She's become one of my favorite. Wonderful. Actresses. I've loved her since I saw her in Mad Men as Peggy, and she's just phenomenal. And I just love so many of the parts that she plays. But agreed, that's what I've been watching. So I am. I I keep a to do list like with way too many things. Things that most people would never oh. put on a to do list, but I like. I I have it on my like one of my screens on my phone. And I add things and I check things off. I don't always, it's just a, it's a way to make sure if something feels important, it's there. Um, and I just added Mad Men because it's, it's about time I watch Mad Men. It's, I've been putting it off for too long. As the summer's coming up. I'm going to try to make it a priority to watch through the Mad Men series. Um, I, 
but yeah, it's on there. I have Shit's Creek on oh. there too. But I don't. It'll probably never happen. Oh my god! Um, it the episodes are like twenty minutes for Shit's Creek. I it's not. It's I just I have. Oh man! I I wish I hadn't just done what I did. I forgot I have different to do lists that I can click to, and I have a TV specific one. And there are so many shows on this list that I have not started. Um, oh god, uh, overwhelmed. So, um, uh, you got movies? That's every, that's yeah. everything. Okay. Um, I have not watched a lot either. Uh, this week I've been super busy. I've also, I've been trying to find video games to enjoy and I'm finding, um, I think I've actually tracked, like come up with a actual reason why I've, I am finding it hard to dive into things lately. Um, and I'm not going to get into it yet cause I don't want to like, I, I'm self-diagnosing and that's never a good thing. Um, you know, Googling things, you will find out you have all sorts of diseases, right? Yeah. Um, not like a, not like a, it's, it's more of a mental health thing in this case. It's not like a disease disease, but it is something I'm like, oh, that really sounds like me. But I'm also like, yeah, but you've never been diagnosed with anything. So you're just assigning symptoms that feel similar. But nevertheless, um, I have spent more time starting a video game only to then decide I don't feel like doing it right then and then turning it off and then look, trying another one and just not getting like basically wasting hours of attempting to do something to relax and only stressing myself out and not doing anything. Mm. Um, but I have watched a few movies. Uh, Matt and I are eventually going to record a new episode of movie astrology, probably in the first couple of weeks of summer um, for 1963. So I caught the haunting from 1963. Now I'd seen the 1999 version uh, in the theater and I, I liked it at the time. I, it does not hold up. I, I tried to watch it a few years after I saw it in theaters and I was like, Oh, this is really bad. Um, the haunting in 63, I actually liked quite a bit and I did not know its connection to haunting of Hill house until I was reading about it. And I didn't Corey and I texted about it because she's a big fan of that series. And I do have that on my list as well. Um, I'm real. I love being able to compare things. So I'm very curious about it. And also I watched the movie about Shirley Jackson that stars Elizabeth Moss, um, which I liked. I I thought it was really interesting, but I didn't know much about her at all. And I was kind of like, Oh, I'd actually seen the haunting before, learning about Shirley Jackson, not realizing it was based on her book. Um, but I did like the haunting. Uh, it's directed by Robert Weiss, um, who is one of Val Luton's oh. uh, guys. He, Val Luton brought him in, um, to, uh, he was an editor, uh, an editor for citizen Kane, if I'm not mistaken. And then Val brought him in, uh, on his stuff and he got him his first directing gig. And so I was also excited to watch the haunting for that reason. Um, so double reasons for me that I picked that one. And, uh, I think i bought that one on voodoo um the movie that i'm most excited to talk about from last week is spontaneous from last year um it stars uh i, I can't i never remember her name but it stars um katherine langford who kind of broke into to the acting world through 13 reasons why she was the the main girl um and she's in like love simon and uh she's in knives out but she has a small part in knives out i mean that's cast is such a huge cast um, but it co-stars Charlie Plummer and Haley Law. Um, I like Charlie Plummer quite a bit in Lean on Pete, the A24 horse movie, which is saying something because I am not a fan of horse movies traditionally. Um, and Haley Law, I first saw in The New Romantic with Jesse Barden, I think it's South By or at Tribeca. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it was South By. And Haley Law was really great in that movie. She's also really good in this. Uh, I loved spontaneous like I, I i've given it four and a half stars on letterbox i probably need to bump it to five because i really the more i've thought about this film the more i'm just like i had such a good time watching it and i also think it's a really good allegory film and it's uh it's got like a horror vibe but it's definitely a like a rom-com because the humor is dark in nature um it's it's just i i can't stress enough everybody should check out spontaneous it is on hulu it's on uh, Amazon Prime, and it's also even on Epics. Mm. Actually, it may have come off of Prime, and now it's not showing Prime on Letterboxd. It's showing Epics and Hulu uh, only. It was on Prime when I watched this the other day, so that's weird. And it must not have been on Prime, and they just corrected it or something. But um, either way, it's on Hulu. So if it, you don't even have to pay for it. If you're already paying for that service, can't stress enough how good it is. Um, you can, of course, buy or rent it on most streaming services um, like Vudu or uh, regular Amazon or um, iTunes or whatever their Apple's calling their videos now. Um, but yeah, I, I love it. I really want everyone to check it out. It's, it's one I've been meaning to watch for a while. And I'm glad I finally did. 
I am still working through Spike Lee's filmography. I've seen most of his movies, and um, I had access to watch Bamboozled, so I, I did. Uh, it's from 2000. Um, it is definitely one of his more on-the-nose uh, films, but it's it's definitely... Uh, it's really, it's good. Uh, it's Spike. So it's never, it's not, I don't feel like any of his movies are bad. Um, I think Old Boy might be his most questionable decision to make a movie because it's a remake and it, it, some of the changes he makes are not for the better. Um, but yeah, he goes uh, pretty straightforward with this one. It's got uh, maybe Michael Rappaport's most obnoxious performance um, by design. Like it's the character you're supposed to hate the character and it's very easy to do that. Um, Jada Pinkett Smith is excellent in it. I really liked her. Savion Glover is kind of the lead. He's the the tap dancer. Um, it's kind of centered around him getting an opportunity to be on TV under uh, what's supposed to be a satire, but people aren't getting that. So the, like the racism, they're they're doing the old minstrel shows again, where like even the they're black actors, but they're putting on blackface to look more like the old school like depiction of black people on, in cartoons and movies and stuff. Um, and it was supposed like inside the movie, this is happening and it's supposed to be a satire and it doesn't go the way it's intended. Um, so the, the commentary is very, very biting and again, a little on the nose, but, um, definitely a, a really well-made Spike Lee film, some weird, uh, visuals like this, the style looks a little rougher than his movies usually do, but not in a bad way. It's just, it, it's, it's noticeably different. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I've become a really big Spike Lee fan um, over the last year. I've caught most of his feature films. I still have to dive into his documentaries. I don't think I've checked out any of those yet. Um, I still have a few features to watch, including one I'm looking at right now. It's on my shelf. Uh, I need to watch Twenty Fifth Hour. Um, that one's been on my radar for some time. But then uh, I I've watched through um, episode nine of Mighty Ducks Game Changers, and again, want to recommend that show. I didn't love episode nine as much as the other episodes, but I did. I still like it. I just nine felt like a filler episode. Like they could have probably just gone right to the last episode of the season. Um, but that's, you know, you got to stretch it out to 10. So that concludes what we've been watching. We're going to get into our review of Cobain montage of heck. Uh, this is a film directed by Brett Morgan. Um, who I am going to see. I don't know if I've seen any of his other films. I do not think so. Um, he did direct the uh, documentary Jane a few years ago, or at least he produced it. I'm sorry. Hold on. Let's see if he directed it. Um, he did direct it, uh, which I heard was really good. That came out in 2017. Um, that's about Jane Goodall. Um, but yeah, no, I've not seen any of his other docs, which isn't saying anything against him. I haven't seen a lot of documentaries. I am still working my way through many documentaries but um obviously uh, if you're familiar with nirvana at all you know this movie is going to be centered around kurt cobain based on the title alone it's an um, authorized documentary on the late musician kurt cobain uh, from his early days in aberdeen washington to his success and downfall with the grunge band uh quote unquote nirvana never heard of them uh 7.5 imdb user rating um 83 metascore uh the movie so there's a lot of archival footage. There's a lot of like interviews with, with Nirvana and stuff. Um, but live like redone interviews for the documentary, you, you get interviews with his dad, Don Cobain, uh, his mother, Wendy Cobain, his uh, stepmother, who I'm going to spend some time talking about in a few minutes, uh, Jenny Cobain, his sister, Kim, um, Chris Novoselic was the bass player of Nirvana, but Dave Grohl noticeably not interviewed. Yeah. In this, which, um has had there's always been some like tension about him and nirvana like for the whole time um but there are interviews with courtney love which was surprising to me that we we were able to get her and uh kurt's girlfriend tracy which was weird too um but uh we'll get into that as well um so uh initial impressions court you sound like you want to jump in i'm gonna let you start um what did you think of Cobain montage of Hex? Um, I've been interested in this for a while, too. I remember not long. Mm, well, I'm bad with time. It must have been sometime around when this documentary came out, but the director had, like, a segment on Lithium, I think, on Sirius XMU, um, where, mm. you know, he would, like, talk about the documentary and talk about some of the things he, like, 
went through while he was making it. Um, and then he would play whatever music. But I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I liked the people that they did interview. I'm glad that it was people who were really close to him because sometimes it can feel pretty disconnected, pretty, I don't know. Uh, like like fourth or fifth like impressions yeah. or something. Like, or I knew about this through so-and-so. what so I heard so. about you know, from this person who heard it from, yeah, exactly, this person. Um, so I liked that aspect of it. I found it interesting. Um, I liked also hearing, like, the evolution of some of the songs in there. I also like Nirvana. Uh, duh. I was going to ask, what I, I, I assumed you did, but I wasn't sure um, where Nirvana fits in for you. Are you a fan of all the albums, or are you, like, one album in particular. You know, I um have always preferred again, I don't know how other fans feel about this, but I have always preferred um In Utero. That's my favorite one. Mm. Um also the best unplugged ever. Ever. Yes, a hundred percent agree with that statement. So good. Yeah, their their unplugged album is one of my favorite yeah. albums, like period. I love that album so and much. It's so funny because I like him a lot as an artist too and how he used his like celebrity to promote bands that weren't as big as him, you know, like he always wore Daniel mm. Johnston t-shirts. He loved the Meat Puppets, so two of the people who play yeah. who are in the Meat Puppets come out and play with him in Unplugged and they cover yeah. the Meat Puppets song. Um so I really I've always liked that part of him but i enjoyed this um i did too uh i really like this documentary um for a lot of reasons one i i am a fan of kirk cobain i i have to say um i i don't think i knew how troubled he was until seeing this documentary like um you always hear like artists are troubled or whatever but, like really like seeing his journals which i assume is, is I, I am going to talk some of the stylistic choices in this because some of them work really well and some of them i question uh if it kind of wrecks the authenticity of some of the content mm-hmm. um but you know like hearing his like recordings and obviously the lyrics but i i feel like you can write something intentionally to feel more dramatic or whatnot like rob zombie is a great example i don't like if you've ever heard rob in an interview he he's not the sadistic person that his movies or even his music might depict um there's a a sensible man there you know what i'm saying but if you were to base if you were to only look at his lyrics or his movies you would think he's a psychopath and so i don't always assume that because a songwriter's lyrics are about sad things that they are inherently that sad you know what i mean and i think the opposite can be said too about comedians right like robin williams was clearly tragically sad but you wouldn't know by like watching him on movies and shows and stuff because he was often playing the the jokester or whatever he was covering up the pain in other words where like cobain's songs were so on the sleeve like on his sleeves his heart was on his sleeves that kind of you know the expression i'm going for um so seeing this made me more aware of like maybe we could have got him some help. Um, and maybe not, you know, because you, you obviously have to accept the help. You can't just be like forced to be okay. Um, but, uh, Cobain was one of the first celebrity deaths that really hit me as a kid. Like I remember when it happened, um, I, I liked Nirvana. I wasn't a big Nirvana fan yet. I would become one in the coming years after uh, his death. But like, I was very aware of like, I'd seen smells like teen spirits music video a thousand times. Right. It was always on MTV I, and heart shape box freaked me out. Um, like I liked the song, but the video freaked me out as a kid. Like I was like, so like petrified by it. Um, and, but the unplugged is, is, has been one of my favorite performances. I've listened to, uh, that album so many times i i when they released it on dvd i bought that dvd like i am a big fan of that for all the way across the board um as far as the movie itself goes i loved the animation in it um they they would take like recordings of his or 
Um, sometimes it was just him talking to somebody and they would animate it. And I thought the animations were awesome. I thought they looked really cool. Um, some were bothersome with the subject matter in them, but I thought the, the actual look of it was great. Um, I know that like we've talked about this, it's a documentary and people can show us whatever they want to show us. And definitely mm-hmm. like point our, you know, move our feelings about the subject towards a person, you know, a certain direction. But I also yes. did, I wasn't even thinking about those. I like that so much of it is like, it's, it's real. It's recordings of him, like either like just voice. And that's how they decided mm-hmm. to make it interesting. Cause what are they going to do? Give us a black screen. Um, or like mm-hmm. the, so many videos, like they had a camera recorder. Yeah. A lot of home videos, like even from when he was a baby, like they always like, and that's kind of explained that um, he was a, a wealthy in the sense that they were a prosperous area. Um, like blue collar, but uh, made money because of the boom after the war, she said. And uh, yeah, because they have cameras like when he's like a little baby and that was not a common thing when he would have been born. You know what I mean? Like, um, and I like those that found the home footage of him as a baby, though, because he's playing instruments like from the get go. Like his favorite toys were always like he had a little drum set, he had a little piano. um, And you just saw it in him. Um, There's a lot I want to get into in terms of spoilers. But one thing mentioning the home video. I was surprised when I started this movie that like the rating was like nudity. I'm like, (laughs) Oh, that's not a normal documentary. Every once in a while, like if a documentary is about like a sex industry or something like that, of course nudity. But when it's like a, about a person, you're a little thrown. And I'm like, well, he's a rock musician. Maybe it'll just be like at concerts, girls flashing the cameras or something, but no, it was Courtney love. And I was shook by that. Like (laughs) those are personal home videos. That like, why are you like? I mean, there, I I am impressed there, that they were allowed. There to use are it. other things in those home videos that I'm more surprised that they were allowed to use than right than that. Like when we got to the nudity, for I was sure, like, oh, sure. you know, I don't know. But I I see what you're yeah, saying. And, and, like, where does this fit here? Where? What am I getting myself into? Well, initially, I I'm, I don't think I think it's fine in the movie. Like, it's not excessive. I was surprised that Courtney Love would be willing to let for not just for the nudity i mean i know she's i I think she's posed nude before i don't know i'm not a big courtney i love her i I am not a courtney love hate hater per se um i do like some whole songs and um especially the one from the crow or the second crow movie there's a real uh i don't remember what song it is i can't think of what it is but there's a song from a movie that I, i i like a lot listen here's the thing um, I do want to get into spoilers because there's a lot I want to talk about, but uh, Kurt Cobain's daughter is an executive producer on this. She runs the estate um, of Kurt Cobain. She has final say in whether or not his, his image can be used, all of that. So it's, it's a, why this is an authorized documentary and not just a fan made, like, you know, and that's why they have access to everything they have access to uh, because she approved of this. Um, and there are, there's another Kurt Cobain documentary called soaked in bleach and one called Kurt and Courtney all have moderate ratings um, I don't know if I'm going to go diving into all of them because I can't imagine it really revealing anything different. Um, I thought this one was mostly tasteful too. It it didn't. Uh, this isn't a spoiler, folks, because he's clearly been dead for a long time. But it didn't. Like I was afraid they were going to show like photos of of because that was one of the first things I remember like controversy wise with the internet was like being able to see police photos of the suicide scene. Mm-hmm. Like, and I didn't see it, but people were like talking about it all the place. And I'm like, I don't want to see that. Like, why would you want to see that? And I was afraid this documentary was going to like, here it is. Or do you remember when this was a big thing or something? And they, they didn't. And I actually thought they handled the death really tastefully in the documentary. Um, it was definitely more of a celebration of who Kurt was and an exploration into maybe why he killed himself. Uh, they didn't dive into any of the conspiracy theories, which there are so many conspiracy theories r- cycled around Kurt Cobain and his like, was he murdered and was Courtney? And I've heard, I don't, I don't want to speculate any of it because I don't, I don't buy into any of that. And especially after watching this documentary, I do feel like Kurt was clearly looking for help and didn't get any, and he took his life. That's what it seems like to me. Um, the most logical 
explanation seems very accurate. Could there be something? Sure, but no one's invest. No one in a position of power seems to be investigating that. So I don't want to go that route. I would have liked to hear from Dave Grohl. I wonder why he wasn't interviewed because I did notice that too. And there's someone else I want to talk about when we get into. Yeah, I I would venture to say he he opted not to. Um, he has said many. I've heard him many times, and that's I am not a Foo Fighters Same. fan. Um, I like some songs. I really do like. Dave I think he's Grohl, a cool though. dude. I, right, hundred percent. Like I, and he's been popping up on my TikTok lately, and like he'll he brings people up on stage and like has them play guitar like at Foo Fighter shows and stuff. Like he just seems like. And there was a video that circulated a while back where he broke and his foot played. and like finished the show. Yeah, just. The dude's he's a, he's a rock star. Like he might be the yeah, rock star. Yeah, he's still here. Like you were talking about Eddie Vedder the other day, and I mean, I know that you know Dave Grohl isn't in Nirvana anymore, but he's still here, and so is you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm big big fan of uh, of Grohl as a like persona figure in the world of music and stuff. I think he does great things. I don't like all of their, their songs. I do like some of their songs. I think they get played way too much on the radio. So some of them got burnt out for me. Um, I still really appreciate big me, but yeah. Oh, big so good. fantastic. I love the music yes. video for that. Uh, if nothing else, the, the throwback to the Memphis yeah. commercials of, of, of your, um, well, uh, so Corey and I both like the documentary. We've got some things we want to talk about. So we're going to go into spoilers. guys from here on out. We are going to talk about, Cobain montage of heck in great detail. You have been warned. So uh, what was the interview you wanted? to? So they interviewed his girlfriend, Tracy, but it's so Mm -hmm. funny Mm -hmm. because I feel like you probably do this too, but I read a lot. I read a lot and I just go down like rabbit holes on the internet. I don't know how they get started. It's like a dominoes set, you know, but I came across an article from a girlfriend who is also a musician that was dating him right before they got famous. So it must have been in between Tracy and Courtney Love. Um, and she, it's like a really good interview. I think it's, uh, I pulled it up again, CBS News, but her name was Mary Lou Lord. Her name is Mary Lou Lord. And like, you know, apparently she introduced him to a lot of these bands like Teenage Fan Club and you know, um, which I love them so mm. much, but, um, you know, all these bands that he like promoted and stuff, but I just thought she would have been an interesting person to talk to because like, she's there right before they get famous. Like she didn't even know they were broken up, I guess. And he was just all of a sudden dating Courtney Love, I think is what happened. But I just feel like she would have been a great person to include in this, you know, maybe. I wonder why they they didn't either. I mean, there's always a chance she did not want to. Maybe she's on the other documentaries and was like, I'm tired Talking of about doing this. this. But it's also, yeah, um, it's also possible that, uh, you know, like they didn't want her for some other reason or, you know, I don't, that's the thing. To me, a lot of the interviews feel real genuine. Tracy, I felt like, I don't know. It didn't feel like hers was sincere enough. Like, like there was something about her that I'm just like, it, I don't know. You feel like you're just like a clinger. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I dated Kurt. Let me talk about like Kurt. And I know there's a, like even a whole sequence that's centered around like them living together as far as like the, the animation and stuff. But it just, I don't know, just something about like the way she spoke felt maybe too distant. Like it's too long ago for her to really remember any of it. Cause you know, when you're dating Kurt Cobain at that time, he isn't Kurt Cobain yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, he's Kurt Cobain, but you know what I mean? Like he hasn't become anybody. He's just a dude you're dating. Like she probably later was like, Oh man, really? That guy's famous now. Like, I don't think that anyone could not have, I don't know. Like, I, and I was thinking like the whole time I was watching this, can you imagine like being in on like the floor level of this band getting famous because didn't they say in this one that they would like do house shows and they would feel real good if two people showed up and you know like Mm -hmm. they they would do all these really small venues and stuff and houses and i don't know i feel like that would just be such an amazing like yeah i was there i mean i am i'm 
I think that's the case for like all the grunge bands. So I don't think you know. I don't know if anyone knew what they were witnessing in Seattle yeah. when when Alice in Chains started playing and Pearl Jam and the well, first Temple of the Dog and the Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots. You know, like I don't know if anyone Did was it? aware. Like usually, you don't know a movement's happening until it's happened. Yeah, you know? but and to look, like, oh my god, I even was part be of able that. to look back on it and just be like, wow, I was there. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. I was just a baby so and also in florida but i just i always like find it and like when we were watching the tina turner documentary last week like you just you know they're big but i wasn't there so sometimes it's just like numbers or like hearing other people talk about it and then they like pan this huge crowd at a freaking festival and everyone's just wild in there and you know well so that's the thing. Dave Grohl gets the only time we really get to hear him talk is in archival interviews. Like he's talking to TV, and you see it there that he's, he's so smart and he's such a front man. Even then, like Kurt's the front man, but Kurt's clearly not comfortable doing interviews. He doesn't want to do the interviews. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, Chris Novoselic has kind of become not someone we want to hear from anymore. If I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, I might be wrong, but I feel like he's been, on some of the wrong side of some of the oh. issues in the last few years. I might be wrong, but from my recollection, that's what I recall hearing. Hmm. But, um, but Grohl, like we were talking now, how he's this, he's obviously the front man of, of Foo Fighters. He's become this icon of, of rock and roll in general. But even then you could, you could hear it. Like he was, he was a leader in this band, um, despite being, you know, the drummer. And yeah. Um, and I do think all three of them had a level of uh, of a humbleness that felt sincere to me. Like, like there was a part where they were supposed to say something about Nirvana being on MTV, and Chris was like sticking his tongue out, just like Ugh, Nirvana. And I, I kind of felt it was genuine. Like, I think they liked what they were playing, but I don't think they understood why everyone else did. You know, like, like at such a high level too. Like, it wasn't just like, oh, some people like us. It was like, no, you guys are the band. You started a, a, a essentially, many people would argue Nirvana is the band from grunge, right? Like I, I know there's some for Pearl Jam. There's there's five iconic bands in my eyes when like the, the mainstream looks at grunge. It's, it's obviously Nirvana, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, and Stone Temple Pilots. And they're like on the fringe to me as far as the top five. I think they just edge out some of the other grunge, uh, grunge bands. Yeah. Like comparatively to me, like I, they're really big. Don't get me wrong. I just feel like when we talk grunge, STB kind of was like they were just grunge. Like they 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 carried more into the other stuff as well. It was still very good. Um, I'm not dissing them. I like them. I'm just yeah. saying. And there's a bunch of other grunge bands that I also like. I just don't think they were as mainstream. But um, Nirvana was like my entry point for sure. It was one of the first songs I ever learned to play on guitar was come as you are. And then smells like teen spirit. Like those were two early songs for me. Um, I actually had the, uh, the entire nevermind guitar, like chord book. Um, it was one of the first books I, of music I'd ever owned. Um, when I was like 13 or so, uh, which would have been like a year after Kurt died. Um, and the timing for Unplugged, too, is, like, just before his death. Like, it's, like, six months before he dies, I think. It, um, I got very fascinated in all the dates uh, at the end of the documentary. Oh, yeah. I was, like, looking stuff up. Like, when was this? And when was that? And when was that? Um, but uh, I I also think, though, I, I felt like his mom and dad and his stepmom, especially, came off as kind of horrible. Like, like I get your your kid's tough he's he's a pain in the butt but they like made it worse they kicked him out they were you know i don't know i i can't imagine my daughter doing anything where i would be like get out you know get out of my house like i would be like well, you need help you need we got to get you help like i don't know and i i'm not trying to judge them but i just like when you listen to kurt talk when you hear about like what their stories are and especially kurt's stepmother she's just like I don't know, man, there's something about like her eyes and her smile while she was saying the stuff she was saying made me like really frustrated. Like, like the dude's dead. Look sad a little bit that you had to deal with this, like in the way you dealt with it, even if you felt that was your only choice. I, I just had like no sympathy 
for them. It's like, oh, he was hard. It's like, yeah, kids are hard. Like, you, but you got to love them. You don't kick them to someone else. Right. It's now your problem. And like, it just makes me think back to Tina again, like her relationship with her mother. Like, why? Yeah. Are, I don't know. Throwing away kids. <laughs> Yeah, I it was it was shocking. Um, I especially because he's a kid, kid. Like it wasn't like he was an adult who was still living at home. Like we're talking like he was a teenager and he's getting bounced around through his whole family. Not just we only heard from these people, but he lived with his grandparents, his cousins. Like he was literally getting bounced around anywhere. Yes, I do appreciate having all these different sides to the story, though. And. Like sure. you, though, I knew he had been troubled, but I didn't know to what extent. Not yeah, condoning like, anything, of course, but. And that's, I guess, the last thing I, I think we definitely should talk about is the um, the archival footage of the home videos with him and Courtney uh, before their their child was born and after. Um, like, I've seen a lot of films and many of those movies depict uh, drug addicts. And um, a scene that almost always plays out in, in those movies is the uh, the person desperate to get either more money or the drugs themselves uh, bartering, right? Like begging and pleading. Um, no, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good now. I'm good now. I just I just need like 20 more dollars and then I, I'm fine. I'm going to I'm going to do this thing. You know, like I've seen that scene so much it it makes me uncomfortable every time and um i've seen some documentary stuff with that and i've met i've now know people in my real life who have you know addicted to something and like listening to courtney both in the archival footage and the interviews and then with kurt um you hear that there's like a, a cadence to the lies right when it 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 starts very like confident and oh yeah i'm doing this well i just need this 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 and then it's like it's almost begging and it's not begging because it's it's this manipulative like no no i'm doing so well all i need from you is and like courtney uh there's a part where she claims like he knew i was going to cheat on it but i never did and i'm just like yeah i don't believe you like i don't for a second believe you and like oh no we were always under control and then you see like that there's speculation that courtney did there's heroin no while she was she pregnant said it. like yeah, right but the, like the there's they're showing all the articles of Word. like people accusing them of doing things and um and even when she says it though she still tries to downplay it she's like well i did it but always under control it's again that cadence of lies right, that i'm talking about like where it's this, this is a series of how you structure your sentences to admit wrongdoing, but it's always coming from this place of like, but it could have been so much worse and it could have been, but I mean, thank goodness um, daughter's I was, okay. yeah. And apparently she's doing really well. Um, you know, she's like an artist and, and, you know, um, I think she's like 25 or something now. Um, cause I think she's born in 93 or 94, but um or i guess she's almost 30 wow time um so that whole sequence made me very uncomfortable uh it made me sad um like i knew i knew kurt did drugs and i knew lane staley did drugs and i'm i'm a, i'm aware that a lot of the musicians that i look up to or have looked up to did drugs um i was so i'm still so anti-drug uh because of the people that I looked up to, like Kurt Cobain, like Bradley Knowles from Sublime. Um, I, I often attribute Hendrix as well, uh, who OD'd. And there's been so many more um, since then. But even as a kid, um, I remember getting like the, the Sublime self-titled album. And like it was not long after I had bought that album that Bradley Knowles died. And I just, I was, it was like, I'm like, nope, never doing drugs. That's it. Too many people that I admire have died because of that. And, um and not to to even at the time i'm sure i was like this holier than thou judgment kind of mindset but as an as i know i've had my own addictions i was addicted to food for sure um and that was my you know drug of choice instead but um the the speed in which 
hard drugs can deteriorate a person is scary. And like, you see it just eat Kurt alive and you, you hear it from the other members of the band where they're just like, what's happening? Like, um, it, it's, it's tragic and it, it's a shame. And obviously he did kill himself. He didn't know D, but it, it seems like heroin was self-medication and it didn't help him get out of the situation he was in. Yeah. It's another, like, one of those situations that I forget how young he was because he looked so much older. He, especially at the end, like, it's noticeable how bad. And he had some kind of stomach issues that I didn't know about, um, which, you know, apparently led to him doing more drugs. I don't, it's hard to tell when he's telling that story. Like, is he self diagnosing again like maybe it was the drugs that was causing or, the stomach problems but... I, I i was thinking maybe he did give himself ulcers or something because he obviously did not yeah. like the limelight he did not like that part of it and i think that that is probably why he backed away for a while because you know i i don't know it's just like he's so much larger than life anyway that it's hard to i've been that age and like way past it you know i don't know mm. I. Yeah, um, it's a shame because he clearly had such a passion for music, and like I, um, I had such a blast watching the documentary, just hearing Nirvana. Like I've listened to Nirvana a lot. Like I am, I am a fan for sure. Um, I, although I say that I am, I have listened to Bleach many times. I've listened to Nevermind so many times. Like I can't tell you how many times I've listened to Nevermind, and I've listened to the Unplugged album the most. That is again, it's one of my favorite all-time albums. I think every song on that album is amazing. Um I love the little commentary and the conversations in between the songs that you don't get as much of on the album as you do on the DVD, but I still love those little like conversations. Um he that's the thing. He he seems so different in the unplugged recording, like even the clips they showed in the documentary, he doesn't seem like a guy who's going to kill himself. In well, six even months. like you know I mean? there, I didn't know that he had only people he knew set in the front row, you know, I don't like yeah, strangers. I yes. And yeah, I was yeah. like, Whoa, um, I just, and I know we've talked about this a lot too. Like I would, I would take money any day. I will take money any day, but I would never want to be famous. I, yeah. I don't know. I really wanted to be famous. So I, which is ironic because I am totally an introvert by nature. And I actually, when he was like, I want, I don't want strangers up front. I'm like, same. I, I agree. I, I, I've played many shows. I would always look to a person, not many. I've played enough shows. I would always look to find someone who I knew in the crowd. So I wouldn't be as con- you know, self-conscious about what I was doing, or I would just not look into the crowd. Um, and even as a teacher, when I speak like to large groups, um, I, I I have what I call the nodder in the audience. There's always <laughs> I've I found almost always there's one person who I is nodding like to everything me. you're saying, <laughs> and I find that person, and I that's who I'm now talking to. You are my audience. As long as you are nodding, you and I are in okay. sync, and you your 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 nods give me the encouragement I need to that's keep going. That's a good going, thing right? to know. Like, that's a legitimate. Yeah, I, I do that all the time. And I, I'm good enough public speaker. I usually have at least that one person. Sometimes there's more, and that just gets me going even more. If I see, a, like, multiple people nodding, but there's always that one person. And they may not be into what I'm saying, but that's their listening strategy is to <laughs> nod in agreement with everything they're speaking. And it I it just it reassures me and makes me feel better. So I get that part of it. But I did – I wanted to be famous uh, as a musician. Um, I want partly for the money, but also um, – I, I wanted to influence the world. And then I, I have found my own fame within teaching because uh, you teach in a small town. Everybody knows you, especially if you've done it for like 13 years, you've taught, you know, almost generations of people. Like I literally had a, uh, I have taught four children of a five children family. And, you know, I, I, by coincidence, I helped all of them through relatively difficult times in their life. And, uh, I am I'm proud of that. Like it's something you know, I that family thinks of me the way I might think of Kirk Cobain, like someone who is influ- hopefully not you know, the the bad parts, but the good parts. Um that I inspire them. I I am a person that they think is is relatable blah 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 blah. Like um and so I I I can see why fame is fame is overwhelming and obviously there's a downside of fame is the uh 
the overcritical eye that is put on them and the pressure and for Kurt, especially um, because I think Kurt and um, some of the stuff like you heard, like parents complaining and being worried about the lyrics reminded me of what happened with Eminem oh. as well. Um, and it, it's happened with many, many other artists, but I feel like Eminem's was very publicized because his lyrical content was so controversial. Um, I don't remember hearing Nirvana as being controversial, but apparently there were a lot of people who were not down with the lyrical content of Nirvana. My dad um, <laughs> always called like yeah. the music I listened to banging on a trash can. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Kurt's never, I don't think anyone argues like Kurt is like a classically great singer, but his style yeah, good voice, works though. for me. Like I, it is, it, it is good. And I think you really hear it on the unplugged album the most. But he has his voice and he knows how to use it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he knows how to hit the, the right moments. I, I would say of the grunge era, I think I think Lane Staley was the best singer. I think Chris Cornell is an arguable second place. Um, yeah, I just think his voice is phenomenal. Um, Cornell is amazing, too. Don't get me wrong. No one come at me about Cornell. I think Cornell has an amazing voice. I actually think a lot of the stuff he did outside of Soundgarden really showcases his voice the most. Um but Staley in Alice in Chains, I think, is just off the charts, the best of the grunge <sighs> singers. But I love Kurt's voice the most, I think. But again, not I don't think it's the best, but it's the one that I hear the emotion. I connect with that. I like the gruff. And I think Nirvana has a closer to punk version of grunge that you don't get with some of the other. I think some of the others are more like leaning alternative kind of vibe, like they're cleaner. They're not as well grungy. I, I feel like the grunge in Nirvana is punk rock influence. Like you just, it's raw. It's, it doesn't always, especially on like the bleach album. Oh, yeah. I think you, you get a lot more po- polish and never mind for sure. But uh, there's a lot of crunchy guitar and bleach and it's, it's um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I love. So I really it. liked, I think it was for the a greatest hits compilation they did. I don't remember what year, but that song that they released, you know, you're right. Oh, I love that song. Good. And you just wonder like where music would have gone with them or if he would have just disappeared completely from the public. You know, you're right. Public eye. I mean, probably, but you know, you're right. Sounds like it came out like it was written when it came out. Like it came out in like early 2000s because I remember um, we went to uh, Earth Day Birthday, and Cedar played oh. "You Know You're Right." Um, it, like it had only been out for like a year, and and Cedar covered it. So it was, it was probably 2003 when we went to Earth Day Birthday, and I was it was great. Like they did a terrific job with the cover. It sounded as close to the Nirvana as you could have possibly have done it. Um, and and I'm like, man, this just sounds like their song. That's the crazy thing. Is like Kurt wrote this 10 years ago he basically kind of got where music was going. I mean, who knows what music could have been if Kurt had stuck around. Like he had such a passion for like for music. That's like what you said. He was a fan. I think you could argue like a, a Tarantino or an Edgar Wright are movie fans who make movies. Kurt was a music fan who made music. And it, it's, you know, sometimes you are mimicking and other times you are taking in, 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 you know, in inventing something new with that inspiration. I think you get that with, the great ones like Tarantino and Edgar Wright. Yes, they are pulling from movies that they love and sometimes not even that old, but it's their take on it. It's their, you, you see their, uh, their voice come through. And I think that's the same with Kurt is like, he was really into punk music. He talks about that in the, in the movie. And then you hear the punk influence, but you also hear him doing his version of it. It's not just mimicry. And um, I think this documentary does a really good job showcasing that about kurt and really getting to the heart of who kurt was and it's a tragedy um but it's also inspiring and um while it's sad to see him deteriorate it is uh i think a really well-made doc with the the, again those cool animations i think are just add to it and you get to see some of that is his art um one of the things i alluded to earlier was uh it's clearly supposed to be like his journal but it's it's animated so like it obviously he didn't like it's not i don't know if we're actually seeing his handwriting or if that was done to make some of the some of the words feel more 
erratic or like chaotic. Um, and that, that bugged me. Cause I'm like, are we seeing things he actually wrote or are you taking some of what he may have written and taking it out of context to make it feel more dramatic? Um, and I couldn't tell because of how they were presenting the notebooks. Uh, cause you never saw like the actual notebook. You saw like a zoomed in version of the page with no text and the text would appear. And it's like, well, you can't easily do that without computer generated, you know, effects. And so are you, are you taking maybe from a real journal and then making it look more dramatic or adding things? And for me, that's, that's important to know because if you, if, if it is exactly as it was written in his book, it's very kind of concerning because some of the, like the sketches or the doodles are, are nerve wracking and like the repeating of phrasing and his handwriting was like horrible. Right. If that is his real handwriting, um, and the way it's presented, it's hard to tell if that's really his handwriting or not. And I think we're supposed to assume it is. But if it isn't, and there is now a possibility because of how it's presented in the film that it's not, then you're making him seem more troubled than maybe he actually was. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was my, uh, not a huge criticism, but a concern um, because it can add to the filmmaker's narrative that he was so troubled and he obviously was troubled, but you know, I don't want you to take uh, creative liberties to, to make it more than it really was to exaggerate his situation um, by making things look more like if I were writing a film about a guy who's like a recluse who wants to kill himself, those are things that I would probably include in his journal or like creepy sketches of things being murdered and um, scribbled handwriting and erratic repetition of, of the same things um, and like scribbles. And, and, you know, it just, it it doesn't look like it doesn't, it easily helps add to the narrative that he was super troubled and, and losing his mind. Um, And if it's true, then I'd like to see the actual physical book and then maybe, fade into the animation or something or start with the animation, but then fade out into the book so that I can see these are actually his, his journals versus are these like you recreating what his journals might've been or, you know, um, especially when it's like the song lyrics, like when he's writing in utero, we get a lot of like glimpses of like the song rape me, which is a, you know, uh, a really great song, but lyrically it's like very troubling and disturbing. Um, and like seeing like the pages of the lyrics, it makes that song feel even more disturbing because of the way he's like writing it. And there's like a, a couple of things where it's like, it's just rape me written over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and how it's written, it, it's like, wow, he was really going through something. Um, and I, again, I just feel like it, it, we need to know, is that actually how it was written or are you dramatizing it? So I, I want to say that, he was it 94 he died yeah. like even seven oh god how many years now 27 almost yeah. yeah um i sent you an article the other day but he's still just always in the news still like mm. um i just saw before we started recording consequence formerly consequence of sound um posted that one of his self-portrait drawings is going up for auction one of his home a home that he and courtney love lived in in la is on the market for a million dollars like i don't know that's just fascinating to me he he's a legend um and and it is it is interesting because is he a legend because he died young and tragically and suddenly um or like 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 you said, it's possible had he sit, had he not killed himself that he would have intentionally removed himself from the public eye as much as one can do that. Because um, I don't know how he would like as bad as it was in the '90s. It's so much more invasive now because of phones and social media. Um, I feel like he would have hated yeah. it based on what we saw in this. Um, where like Grohl has Grohl has found a way to like embrace it and still keep himself distant at the same time. Um, like you only, I feel like you only see Grohl when he wants you to see him. 
and that's impressive in in this world but um he just again he's he seems very smart and tactful with with this whole thing but um but yeah that's uh our take on cobain montage of heck um it is available to watch on hbo max which i forgot to say earlier um that's how we watched it uh i uh, both of us very much liked it i think it's um as a nirvana fan especially i think it's a must see but i also think the the documentary does some really cool stuff with the animation again i i did mention my concerns about some of the animation but i think overall it's a really innovative way to uh to utilize those recordings and make it um and to visualize it uh so i say must see i'm gonna go with must see also and i appreciate i want to just inject this really fast um i like that so many of the interviews are like more current with those people Oh, yeah. You know, instead yeah. of because they could have probably just pulled a lot of old footage too, like old interviews with these people. I'm sure that they have had tons. So, mm-hmm. and that is what they basically apparently had to do with uh, with Grohl. Um, but this movie concludes our month of May 2021 May music, uh, and we're getting into June. And June is well, it's it's a fun one, or not uh we're calling it unwanted um these are sequels that maybe p- people didn't directly ask for um it's not to say that these are going to be bad movies but it Unexpected. is to say that maybe they're they weren't like well do we really need a sequel to that movie like um so june Corey starts us off uh she's picked the curse of the cat people um, which is interesting because I talked about Robert Weiss uh, with The Haunting and then Val Luton. This is uh, a sequel to Val Luton's first um, uh, film as a producer. He produced all of these. And uh, Curse of the Cat People was not something he wanted to do because he didn't want to do the cat people in the first place. Uh, they, the way RKO kept kind of pigeonholing him into things, they would give him a title and he would have to make the movie with that title. Oh, so he had no script to start with. And so... Um, the cat people did so well they demanded a sequel and uh he again is able to thwart the attempts to make his movies schlocky and um universal style of horror film and make a more psychological and uh what's the word um oh man my ambient uh ambience not the word i want but that kind of idea ambiance um uh i'm so tired folks um, but Curse of the Cat People is Corey's first pick. I'm excited to check that one out, though. That's, for example, I'm trying to watch all of Al Luton's movies. I actually almost watched that the other day, not remembering that you had picked we it for this. We talked about it briefly, and I just wanted to say, because this is on Shutter, if people want to watch it with us, is they have a large, they had a, uh, like, a section for Val, Val Luton's films mm-hmm. on Shutter. Six out of the nine, I believe, are on Shutter, um, and it is almost all of the big ones. There's only like two of the uh, other horror films that aren't on the the list or something like that. Um, so yeah, uh, if you have Shutter, I would say first watch Cat People and then watch the sequel. Um, then for me, my first pick is The Raid Two. I saw The Raid, love The Raid. It doesn't feel like it needs a sequel. And my understanding is the sequel is kind of indirectly a sequel. It's more like the style and, and the nature of the film. Um, so I'm excited to dive into the second one finally. I do recommend you check out the first one, Corey, if you haven't okay. yet. Uh, at least watch some of the, the fight scenes because that's really what the movie is. It's, it's a martial art movie. It's it's designed um, for that and some of the, the best scenes. Uh, I, am, I was surprised <laughs> to see this one. So I've seen Sleepaway Camp. Um I've never seen the second one, but that's what we're diving into. There are like four. Uh, I guess you haven't no, either. No, I've though. not. I like. I yeah. really, really, really enjoy the first one, and they decided to make I think three sequels. <laughs> There's like four of them, I think. Yeah. So we'll be diving into Sleepaway Camp too. Uh, careful. Um, and then uh, I have been supposed to watch this movie <laughs> for some time. Um, I'm mad. A few, I think two or three years ago, uh, I lost, uh, came in last place in an Oscar challenge with Matt and uh, Matt Hudson that I do Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast and Big Tuna from Disappointments Media. And uh, Matt picked me for me to watch The Exorcist 2. Does the he Heretic. hate it? Um, oh, it's notoriously one of the worst movies. Oh, why? Um, and so... Uh, this, this movie kind of is the inspiration for this whole theme. Um, because I think if, I, if I'm going to watch it, I'm bringing Corey down <laughs> oh, no. with me. So, Friendship, uh, folks. Uh, 
so we will be watching um i uh all four of those movies in the month of june um before we continue on with our uh adventures in cinema this year so check those out um We'd love for you to watch them with us and tell us what you think. You can follow us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews. At Corey R. Star, two R's on the end. And if you like what we're doing here at Movie Club Podcast, we ask that you take just a minute, rate and review us, and uh, let you know let people know about us. Um, we're charming. That's it for this week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week, starting again with our unwanted theme for June 2021. But until then, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. Hey, this is Matt from What I Watch Tonight. Come join me in the back row for movie discussion, retrospective episodes with guests, director-focused shows, end-of-year rankings, start-of-the-year predictions, and much, much more. There's more going on in the back row than you might think.